Clubhouse. Welcome back to our day three coverage of the 12th season of ATX Television Festival. This is Paul. This is Caroline. We kicked off our third morning with a conversation with Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen, a married couple in Hollywood's elite that has lasted since the mid-90s. What was it, 25 years, they said? 30. 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is in his mid-70s. She admitted to being just 70. (laughs) So they had prior relationships. They they mixed families. They told us that when they got together, they had four teenagers in the house at the same time, and they made that sound like a dream come true. (laughs) They definitely had had their PTSD about those days, I would say. I loved these two together. I did not know very much about Mary's personality outside of acting. Ted, I want him to be a cool guy. I had seen him at the Cheers reunion. I felt good about him. But Mary was really a surprise to me because I feel like the roles that I associate her with, like say parenthood or even stepbrothers or stuff like that, I feel like she always kind of plays this frazzled mother, this like kind of, she always kind of has this higher pitched voice and she always seems kind of rattled and whatever. And she just was the polar opposite to that. She seemed so grounded, very talented, very uh, like full of creative ideas. And the sense that I got about her was like, she was very independent. She was very, singularly focused on a lot of the stuff that she wanted to do creatively. And that was beautiful to me because it turned out that Ted was very much more the fussy one over the two of them or the worrier of the two of them. Yeah, she seemed much more at ease with herself at this stage in their life. Both of them actually, whether or not you know it, have kept very busy. They don't If they have time off in their IMDb credits, I have a sense it's because they didn't want to work, not because they couldn't find it. Right. You may not know, but she was in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, a very recent season of that. She she looks like she does sub in during Ted's shows, so she has credits on both Mr. Mayor and The Good Place for single episodes. But she still does movies. She was recently in Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, the Book Club sequel. So she is just continuing to stay busy. There was a funny synergy with the Justified reboot because she played one of the villains in the final season of Justified. Which is kind of wild now that I think about it that she wasn't at the Justified reboot portion because she could have been on stage just to just to kind of tie together the two series, you know? Like, that would have made sense to me. But I don't know. Go figure. So one of the things that I loved that they were talking to us about was how they they first met and the whole concept that oh my god when they had their first dinner together ted had had these hair extensions in and when mary was explaining it and and she was like he was so thrilled with his hair and all i can think of this is the most ridiculous human i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> i loved it i loved everything about these two and the way that they they just they really got it you know ted said repeatedly that gratitude is the key i don't know how did you feel when he said i know she's another person but not really (laughs) it felt familiar the long the things that the things that go along with having a long relationship that is rooted in actual soul bonding feelings you know like normal people have that we kind of don't always associate 
Hollywood couples with having. I think especially if you're going to think Hollywood, you think the woman is going to be the like romantic and like the one who's going to be like just swooning or whatever. And that was, I, she felt so much more like comfortable in her own skin is a really good way of how you were describing just how comfortable she is. And he seemed so much more like he fawned over her. He worried about her. He was like constantly concerned. <laughs> I love it. They Someone asked about if they have any flaws because they were presenting as such this beautiful couple. Ted said, well, Mary says I'm a hypochondriac, but I just say I'm very interested in my body. <laughs> right. Like he he actually his personality is is a little bit different than you would have thought. He wasn't just like this Sam Malone. Hey, hey, you know, like playboy kind of guy. He had all these little foibles and all these little things like I could almost hear him be like, could you look at this little spot right here? Do you see this? Like, like, like you know, like I could almost hear him being like worried about little things. And certainly she is by far the risk taker. She wants to start this entire music venture, which she's already doing, but she wants to continue it. And every time she like takes the next step, he's like panicked that it's going to go wrong. And I don't know if he's worried for her, like that the the lack of, of a successful thing would upset her or something. I don't know, but there's definitely worry there for sure. They were just very charming. Uh, we've had the opportunity to see other couples on stage a few years ago. Katie Seagal and Kurt Sutter interviewed each other. And that was a 100% different vibe. You know, how they say couples complete each other um, by sort of being foils, I guess, for different aspects of, of their personalities that may be stronger or weaker, or then maybe that's not the right, right way to characterize it, but you understand what I mean. No, totally. Like when I was just saying that Mary's a risk taker and then turns out Ted's the worrier, like they were sort of the yin and the yang. So Kurt and Katie, they seemed like further apart, like almost combative in certain ways, like... I would say passionate, but definitely could go either way. Passionate good and passionate bad. Yes. Like, yes. I think, I swear to God, at one point, didn't he pick her up, like, over his shoulder? I don't know what I'm remembering. I'm remembering some sort of physical, like, picking her up. Well, I have a picture of... Other people picking each other yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, those two being involved with, with uh, the guy who played Opie. Remember, there Kurt was also picking jumped up on Ryan Hurst's back. <laughs> Because that's the kind of stuff that happens at ATX, yeah. just in the lobby when you're walking by and you're like, did that just happen? Did they just piggyback in the lobby? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, that just happened. The creator of Sons of Anarchy jumped on a son of anarchy. <laughs> that's funny. So overall, I mean, what was your what was your favorite part or what was your takeaway from the Ted and Mary? Because, I mean, I think people would say, like, why do I want to go to a panel called like a conversation with like Ted and Mary? Like, what even is this? Why, why are these interesting? I mentioned a second ago, they are a long running couple in an, in a profession and a part of the world where that is a huge anomaly. And the fact that they are in old age and they are still robustly working and getting along so well, if you need something to just give you a little hope <laughs> for your fellow human beings, stuff like that might do it. I loved that we can end it on this one, but uh, I love that one of their big reasons why they get along so well is that they both love fart humor. <laughs> They said, Mary said at the end of the day, they both have like the same sense of humor as like a 12 year old boy. And because of that, they can just be silly and laugh about things and just be good. That's great. After we finished with Ted and Mary, just a second for Nosh, 
and had to go get in line for a panel called Launching a Pod, parentheses, cast, co, parentheses, mpany. So launching <laughs> a, a podcast company. Got it. Okay. So we're going to have a, a couple little comments on this one and I'm not, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it at all. This was one of those times when you really rely on the festival or the con to accurately title and summarize what a panel is going to be about. So of course, since we're podcasters, we are curious about what other people would suggest to do to launch a company because we're just curious about like what are tips and tricks. What the panel turned out to be is a fellow podcast company called Podco who was going to be having a new podcast coming out. So they were launching their companies newest podcast of which they already had like six five i think five. so then that's what this was about now because this wasn't what we expected at all and because it was revealing itself in real time to be not what we expected there was a lot of looking around in the room like i'm a little confused i yeah. don't really know why we're here we had met other podcasters or hopeful podcasters in lines and they were also in the room and they were looking at us and we were looking at them like, um, this isn't what we expected. Well, the punchline, this was a company founded on cashing in on the current trend of established TV actors going back and revisiting their work in a podcast form for nostalgia. Like this was the cornerstone of what Podco is trying to do in its initial phases, which is nostalgic podcasting. And if you guys want to learn more about that, definitely go check out the virtual pass. But for us, it definitely made us very aware of titling and summaries of like what the panels are, because we probably would have chosen to go to something else and just learn about this information later that there was going to be like a new podcast out. That would have been fine. But we like kind of used up like a whole section of our time so it was very hard to impress us at that point because it wasn't what we expected so that was just one of those live and let learn you know you learn you live you learn you know okay so not every panel is for everyone and that particular one was more of an advertisement for what they a product that they were going to be putting out totally cool totally fine just not what we expected from there we finally did get that little piece of, of snack that we wanted. And, <laughs> Got a little more dill, dill yeah. pickle popcorn. <laughs> and we split off where Caroline went back, I believe, to watch some virtual panels back in the room. And I went to take some pictures in person at the panel for a show called From. From is a show that nobody knows about because it is on, it was on a, on a network called Epics, which uh -huh. nobody had. And now Epics has changed its name to MGM Plus. Wow. Which, uh, has more name recognition, but I still think the same amount of people know about it. It's funny because since you've been watching it and since it was at the festival and then last night I was at my parents' house and they leave their like TV on all the time and it has like a screensaver and it was going through like all these 
different like pictures of shows and from stayed on the screen for like, I swear to God, like half an hour. So when you say no one's heard of it, I'm like, my God, it's all in my face. But you're right. It is like a little known show. But boy, it is creepy. If you guys are scaredy cats like me, I have to leave the room. I didn't even go to the panel because I cannot be a part of this. It's too scary for me. Some of the seeds, so the kernels of what got the show going creatively have a lot in common with Lost. And there was some of that of the same personnel, not J.J. Abrams, not Damon Lindelof, but other people that were there at the beginning of Lost also helped form from. And so this panel featured a man named Jack Bender, who was a heavyweight directing on Lost. I think he directed like half of them. And he is now the primary director or supervising director for From, as well as an executive producer. And they also had the lead actor, Harold Perrineau. He was Michael on Lost. He was in the Matrix trilogy. He was in a show called Oz as kind of the main character. <laughs> and he has had a long and terrific career. Now he is playing, finally the lead on his own show and the underpinnings are very much like lost except it's not so broad as lost where it's where it's like there's all these diverse people stuck in this spot and there's a mystery and the mystery has to do with what was it the energy that controls the world or whatever the, the mystery was that at, at the end of the at the end of the show this is same kind of idea except it's centered around a town and it's all these people get stuck in this town. And instead of having a diverse cast of wondering what Sun and Jin and Saeed and Jack and Sawyer, this is more focused on a, on a family that we meet that gets stuck in the town. And so kind of schmegadoon. Most of the, right. Most of the story, <laughs> although we meet other characters and learn their backstories and things, we're kind of going through it with this family that makes sense. I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty well-known, right, fish-out-of-water kind of narrative device there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this, this one has monsters that come out at night. And if you aren't uh, indoors at night... Dude, I think on my parents' TV, they were showing a picture of one of the monster's faces, like, behind Harold. And um, I had to stare at that freaking thing's face for, like, 30 minutes. It maybe desensitized me. Maybe I can watch it now. I think they said that they shoot this in... Like Halifax. Yeah. So kind of an, a location most people aren't, they don't think of when sure. they think of shooting. And so they need a cast for not extras, but they're the monsters because the monsters are people. You see them in the, in the first five seconds of the first episode. And so that you might be thinking of the poster of, of a man with a very broad smile. And that is the second season poster for From. And they, they talk about him. They called him Smiley. And he was just sort of one of those extra actors just from the local Halifax casting company that stood out amongst all the rest of them. The director kept saying, come do this, come do that. And when they needed finally sort of like a featured bad guy, um, eventually they, they came and asked Smiley to do it because he stood out and there was no other reason. They didn't bring him in. He wasn't, he wasn't like an LA ringer or something like that. And so they had little stories like that. 
and they brought some clips and yeah, it was, a, it was a great little, little panel that was very focused and it was cool to see, uh, both of those guys close up. That's awesome. And I know you took a lot of great pictures of that one too. So people can go check those out. Harold Perrineau, uh, liked, liked my, uh, my Instagram <laughs> post on that. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Actually, going back to Mo Ryan mm -hmm. from yesterday, she retweeted you. She retweeted me, and because uh, my picture, I caught like Javier making like a kind of like a funny uh, Mr. Furley sort of like point with his finger, and then had Melinda Shoe Taylor sort of chuckling at that and Mo doing something else. So, so she made some comment that they look like the cast of a sitcom or yeah, something. Yeah, it looked like a sitcom still, like the like opening credits where yeah. everyone's like, ah, oh, 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 oh. yeah. like they're all together, yeah. And so Mo, all of Mo's followers and friends liked it and that was kind of cool too. Oh, I love it. All right, so from there, I went to the Jack Bender-specific micro panel where they just talk to Jack Bender. So let's talk about what a micro panel is. So most of these panels are roughly an hour, um, unless they're going to be like one of the big events of the night. The big events of the night tend to be about two hours. Um, but these micro panels that they offered up this year were about 30 minutes. And, you know, I'm not sure. I feel like they were trying to get in a little bit more content without having to uh, you know, like a lot, so much extra time or too much extra in like a room or whatever. So this was an interesting approach that I've not really seen. Have you seen this at other cons where they do sort of like a little micro something for like 30 minutes? Just last minutes? year at ATX. Okay. So this is fairly new. So, uh, you know, what do you think about this idea of like taking a subject and just giving it 30 minutes instead of like a full hour? I saw it both ways. Like you and I were done with that podcast one. But then the Jack Bender one, Wish it, it, had gone on. it feels like we could have gotten some more deets from Mr. Yeah. Bender. Well, and that's an important thing is like sometimes, it, you know, the micro panel concept works if you have just like a small snippet of thing, like, like for the podcast thing, it was fine because the whole point of it was not really to ask them any questions, not really to get any information. It was just to make an announcement. 30 minutes was plenty of time to make an announcement. And so then when we had like this other one, like you're saying, you're doing this interview view uh, kind of style where you want more answers and stuff 30 minutes seems like it goes so fast just by the time the moderator introduces them gives some background you know starts the first question you're already like five minutes in you know and it's like oh there's just not that much time left another question about the way that they were handling panels and like audience questions what did you think about them doing it with the index cards this year where you could like write out a question if you had one in advance and like give it in and then the moderators just had the questions up there like they didn't have any lineup at a microphone there was none of that business in the bigger in most of the bigger ones there's only one that i watched virtually where it seemed they handed around the microphone mm -hmm. and it went off the rails <laughs> well we've seen where people want to make a personal connection with the person on on stage they're holding 500 people hostage while they talk about this meaningful story about how watching the show with their stepdad meant so much but then he got the cancer and it's like this is a meaningful story but this i'm sorry come on this is a very limited time for you to wind up asking, what's your favorite memory from making the show? Like, oh. well, it's hard because for so many people, this is their big moment, right? Like, and because we don't have the classic 
con setup where you can pay to like go and stand at their table and get their autograph that's when you would normally tell the, your little story you wouldn't have to stand in front of an audience worth of people to give your heartfelt you know why this show was so important to you moment most of the time those are done at tables but because atx doesn't have that meet and greet kind of thing you do get subjected to someone getting up to the microphone and being like, Gilmore Girls was my most important thing I ever had in my life. I've named my children Lorelai and Luke and all of this stuff where you're like, oh my gosh, what is your question? Because they'll just keep talking. Uh, well, it we've was seen where moderators get up and say, just a reminder, questions do not be begin with I. And They start with who, what, where, why. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. They do that whole thing, which I, I never have an issue with when they do that. The problem is no one ever gives a hoot about that. When they get up to the microphone, they're like, I... <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. So, I mean, in that one virtual panel, and it was, I, I want to say it was, I think it was the one of the beyond the page ones. Like, I mean, the person in the audience was being a little bit insulting to the panelist in what he was wanting to talk about. It may have even been AI, to be fair. I'm not exactly sure which one it was. It got dicey. Like, the audience was even like, sit down or ask your question. It was like, whoa. So, me personally, I'm fine with them moving over to this index card format. Yeah, well, they have a code of conduct for attending. Oh, and sure. we have heard of people violating it and getting removed. Not exercising the the kinds of manners that your your mother would want. <laughs> Again, because there's so much access at ATX and you do have all this opportunity to interact with people, the be cool rule is very important to keeping everything going very smoothly. Yeah, so Jack Bender gave a half an hour just a history on himself where he began as an actor all the way back for Danny Thomas, advanced from there to directing and described that process a little bit, talked a little bit about how um, his involvement with From came to be, because that's what he's working on now and what he's proud of right now and wanted to talk about. He did have a little comment about the recent Vanity Fair article that was an excerpt from a chapter in Mo Ryan's Burn It Down book where she talks about the Lost Writer's Room. And, you know, he comes from Lost. That's one of his big credits. But he wanted to make sure that we knew that there were two sides to the production. There was what was happening in Hawaii which was production, and then there was what was happening in L.A., which was the writer's room. So the strife that was described in the book was writer's room stuff. In L.A. In L.A., and he was purely production. He was always in Hawaii shooting or doing something with the uh, directors of the other episodes that he didn't shoot. Like we said with Mo, uh, kind of that forlorn... I wish I'd known sort of look on his face, you know, kind of thing. Cause yeah. he's been in the business long enough for Danny <laughs> Thomas to have been the guy that hired him originally. You know, that's a pretty long freaking time. He was like, uh, he was old enough to have been a prospective boyfriend for Sally Struthers on all in the family. Wow. So he, by the time lost came around, he was a mature guy in the industry. You know, he'd already been in it for 30 years, 40 years, whatever. So, yeah, he just wanted to kind of 
say a little bit and then say nothing else about it. And that's how he went about <laughs> Which is it. Just kind of fair, right? I yeah. mean, because really, what could he speak to if he wasn't there? You know, if he wasn't in the writer's room, he shouldn't speak to that part. So, you know, it's always exciting, though, to hear people's careers like that. And I'm glad that they did give him that extra 30 minutes to just like sit and talk just about things that he's done. He looked very directory, you know, because yeah. it was Austin. It's it's 106,000 degrees <laughs> outside, but he's wearing... Um, a scarf. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So what you, was it? That was an accessory. That wasn't you, for the weather. Well, but he had, you know, he had like a, it, the rest of it was like a, like a black, like mock turtleneck with black pants and then some sort of little cardigan on top of that. So okay. very, yeah. like. Very creative. When, like, when the Hollywood people come to Austin, <laughs> they are, even if you don't know who they are, you can still pick them out. You know, they typically are highly stylized like and that doesn't mean like they necessarily they're not like not wearing like a beaded gown, but they're highly stylized. They're not wearing Levi's and IZOD T-shirts. They no one was. But you don't understand what I mean, though. Like, (laughs) yeah, they're highly stylized. There's a quality about the way they look. Everything that you see had a stylist like choose it for them. I was commenting on a man's shoes to you that I was like, you can tell so much about him because his shoes match the suit perfectly. Perfectly. And it was this color blue that you could not find in like the natural world. So it was like, yeah, I don't know. Sort of a robin's sh- egg, but. Not even. It was like a sky blue sort of. I don't know. I can't even describe it exactly. But the thing is, I swear to God, those shoes were dyed to well, match. Did you get a look at the guy though? I mean, he couldn't have bought that off the rack. No, he had I'm saying. this gigantic barreled chest. And these, I, I mean, it was like this. Yeah, this big dude. He was a. Oh, very tall. Very tall. But also like. Gastani in the way that he was built. Oh, you know? okay. Well, okay, sure. He, yes, he looked fit and strong for sure. Yes. So, like I said, stylized, like you said, stylized. Yeah, but uh, like that whole thing was like custom made for him. And, right. and it was very apparent because it fit him like, you know, to yes. Yes. So, I mean, also fun people watching you guys, always cool. And some of you guys might wonder, like, well, what do I wear to ATX? If this is what people are wearing, what do I wear? So, there's a smattering of things. You can absolutely wear jeans and t shirts. That was 100% acceptable fun. Um, if you want to, like, you know, up the ante a little, there were some sundresses and some cowgirl boots and little things like that. But the nice thing about it is that for the most part, super casual, very relaxed atmosphere. You can be cute about what you're wearing or you can be a little like sassy about what you're wearing um but for the most part you know anything goes and that's nice because again this isn't a cosplay event just to be clear there was i never have seen anyone wearing anything that i would consider cosplay no um which is important because you would have no idea if you were just coming along and thought oh i'm gonna bring all my stuff to be you know my cosplay outfit most most i've done was i intended on on catching taylor kitsch one day and so i wore my dylan athletic department number 33 t-shirt so that when i asked for an autograph he wouldn't say i'm too busy he'd see the 33 and be like all right fine which is exactly what happened (laughs) yes very true so but overall Wearing a, D- a Dylan t-shirt isn't the same thing. You didn't come in a football uniform no. with pads and a helmet. Yeah. Okay. But other people could think that would be cool. Mm-mm. And I'm saying this is not that There event. are autograph hounds and they, when I see them at this event, I look, I am kind of like, like, I, I don't want to say turn my nose up a little bit, but I'm like, you're in the wrong place. You know? Well, because again, you're not paying for it. I mean, you mentioned no, asking, yeah. you mentioned asking for an autograph. That's pretty rare. I mean, we walked right next to 
plenty of celebrities and we don't typically ask them for anything at all. In fact, we just smile and treat them like regular old people. So it is very unusual actually to like ask for one. I mean, I bet you can count on one hand how many people you've ever gotten an autograph from for all these years at this festival because it's just not really what this festival is about. It's really about bringing the audience, the industry and the talent together in a way that makes you feel more like we're all a group together instead of like, why would we be asking them for autographs? Do you know what I mean? Like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. So our final event for the evening was the Righteous Gemstones presentation, which man, uh, that was really cool because they put it in ACL, uh, Austin City Limits, which, you know, we've been to ATX several years and the big venue used to be the Paramount Theater, but they would have us line up outside of the Paramount Theater right before they needed us to come in. We got to walk right in, which was pretty cool. Um, they showed two episodes. They brought on John Goodman. They brought on Adam Devine, Cassidy Freeman, and Edie Patterson from the cast. They brought on Danny McBride, who is both cast and creative. They just had a great time on stage. Ben Travers usually gets the, the big event uh, panel and he got he got this one as well this panel was great because you know we had the smattering of the family we had all the kids we had their their um the dad you know john and i think that john was actually like a huge pull for a lot of the crowd i mean for one thing they sold out acl so that's one thing that was like blowing them away is that they actually sold out the venue for this event which cheers did not correct and so that you know that sells you a lot about the show if you haven't seen it yourself you should definitely check out righteous gemstones hilarious it's on hbo or i think we're supposed to call it max now <laughs> I, I can't keep up and i should be able to keep up <laughs> i can't i don't think i'll be able to call it max until we can call peacock the cock and then once i can call it that then i'm okay <laughs> right we'll call hulu lou yeah we're just gonna we're just cutting off all the names right. and like let's, let's do it all at once i'm not gonna do this piecemeal it's not for me okay mm -mm. no i love this panel because it was funny Very it was funny. fast it was just like the banter was like wild and crazy and they had so many wild stories which totally this is a virtual past kind of thing because their stories were graphic and definitely the type that you want to hear it from their mouths because they were so wild but even still because we watched two episodes and they had the musical act called jane leo um who sang the song that everyone loves from Righteous Shinstones. Um, misbehaving. Misbehaving. And, uh, and that was funny and it was cute and stuff. I, I think that still by showing two episodes, which I was glad to have seen, again, we were only left with about 15 or 20 minutes by the time everyone got on stage. So it was fast and furious. I think Ben had like about three or four questions before we had to get into audience index card questions real quick. And then... It was over. Like, it was fast and furious. But it was cool to see their personalities come out. You know, like, Adam Devine is pretty much Adam Devine. But, like, Danny McBride, who you've seen play kind of Kenny Powers in everything you've seen him. You know, he aloof and, and sort of not exactly stoic, but he always has the same kind of character. But in person, he was actually, uh, you know, commiserating with his friends, laughing and just acting like a normal person. Whereas he normally plays these, these guys that are very opposite to that. Edie Patterson, you know, she plays the daughter and on screen she says and does 
pretty vile stuff. And it just reminded me of, of the, of a quote someone had where they quoted Anthony Hopkins in terms of like, how do you become a great actor? And it was something like, don't be afraid to play the fool. I think is, what was it? Ryan, Ryan Reynolds or somebody like that quoting Anthony Hopkins. And, and these that's are, that's a very funny duo. These are, at, well, he didn't get it firsthand from Hopkins. him. He just heard it from him someplace else. Got it. And okay. this cast is very much, they, they buy into that. No, I don't think anyone more so than Edie Patterson because her, her actual on stage persona where she had to kind of answer for her character. It wasn't, I won't say shame, but it was like she was more reserved as yeah, a regular person. Maybe even a little character. embarrassed because yes. what what she sees herself do on screen is highly dissociated from how she feels about herself, which is I understand that's what acting is, <laughs> but but she I think she was the furthest away. I would agree with you, and she also seemed like. You know, she wanted to make an important point, which they didn't when they introduced her, that she is a writer on the show. Yes. And so that's a huge thing. Again, we we can't spend X amount of years going to ATX talking about representation and diversity and then just gloss over the fact that Edie is, is a main writer and she's a woman in the writer's room. Like, this is important. We shouldn't ignore that part. And so a lot of the jokes, a lot of the, like, nastiest things that she says, she actually writes and then can be embarrassed herself to even say them. And she talked about that, about just, like, some of the lines are just so out there, which I say often when we watch the show, she has lines and jokes and I you guys I can be a pretty nasty person when I want to say some pretty raunchy stuff That's true she says things and uses phrases and imagery if you will <laughs> that I have never heard or seen <laughs> and and I'm not it's a prude it is so descriptive and so crazy and outlandish and you're like oh my god so I you know what I give her massive props and I'm so glad that she bothered to to pause the conversation to say, P.S. I'm a writer on the show. Like we shouldn't dumb it down in any way. Like this is why I say the things I say, cause I'm writing it, you know? The other person on, on stage that I didn't mention was Jody Hill, who they didn't have any questions for, and he never said anything, but he, I think that was just because of the quickness. Like we just didn't have any more time left. You he, know, he has traveled with Danny McBride on Kenny on Eastbound and down and vice principals and all of these projects, they have been partners together. Um, so he's, he's very much a part of, if you like those shows, he's part of the equation. We just didn't get to hear him say anything. And that was our night. We did go check out a, a funny little event called Are You Afraid of the Driscoll? Well, actually, I'm going to back you up a little bit. Please. We had such a strange occurrence when we came out of the Righteous Gemstones because... It was raining. We did not realize a storm had rolled in, like a full-on crazy lightning storm. Thunder and lightning and everything. It was nuts, you guys. And the venue tried to let us stay in there for a little bit, but after a certain point, I mean, their workers were done. Everyone needed to go home. Like, they didn't need to be there anymore. So they were like, everybody's got to get out. Like, I'm sorry that it's raining, but call your Ubers and get out of here. It was really surprising. That rain was torrential and we ended up getting a chance to chitty chat with some older ATX attendees 
Cheryl and Lynn, and they were super adorable. And again, just kind of reminded me like ATX is for all ages. Like these ladies were probably in their late sixties and they were definitely not savvy with like Uber and stuff like that. So we were like, please just ride in with us, come with us. And they were like, thank you. Because for sure they did not know how they were going to get back. But it was, they were so invested in the festival themselves. I don't know. It made me smile because when I think about going to cons, sometimes I get a little bit sad because I look around and I feel like there's somewhat of an age cutoff. I know there's not, but a little bit there is. But with ATX, I feel like because they bring reunions like Cheers, where, you know, that played 40 years ago, you know, initially, then you have this sense of like, no, everyone belongs here. Like, you don't have to just be up on the latest shows or whatever is like pop culture, even within the last 10 years or something. We can reach back and enjoy like some of this great stuff. Having Norman Lear or James L. Brooks or stuff like that. I mean, there was so much that these ladies were getting out of this. It was like heartwarming to me that I'm like, I can keep going to ATX for like a really long time. I don't age out of here for like maybe 20 years or more, you know, which makes me really happy. We'll be at the sing-along singing, you know, Robin Sparkle songs at 65. And that makes me smile, you know, that that's a possibility. So this is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a five-star rating so other people can find and enjoy the podcast as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you.